Hello and welcome to the Life Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Pete, and today we're going to talk about ketosis, the keto diet, who is it good for, what is it, and how to get into it, how not to get into it, the benefits of it, and we're going to really clear up so many questions that you've had and also questions that you didn't even know that you had. So I've had some good submissions through Instagram that I will also cover towards the end as we get into the weeds and the individual aspects of it a little bit, and also some really good questions that are much more broader. So thanks everyone who wrote in and replied to my Instagram story last week. Ketosis means that you are burning enough fat and are adapted enough to burning fat that your liver is producing ketones and there's many other uh, chemical reactions that go on in the process of creating ketones, which is why it's not just an on or off switch. There are pathways that need to be built up, need to be adapted to, um, which is why you can be fat burning and not producing ketones. It takes a bit of time to get adapted if you've been eating a high sugar diet a while. So in summary, that means that as you get more and more fat adapted, and you're keeping your carbohydrate intake relatively low or you're having periods of fasting, your body learns to change these chemicals as a byproduct from the fat burning into ketones. And then your body therefore further adapts to using the ketones specifically in your brain and central nervous system. So that means that the old problem of bonking of hitting the wall, of hitting low blood sugars and suddenly feeling incredibly faint and weak and discombobulated. And whether it be in a race or whether it just be day to day uh, after you know not eating for a while, perhaps, it means that that does not occur because the ketones fuel your brain, whereas it's normally running on sugars. So the ability to be in ketosis is incredibly important and incredibly beneficial for your health. However, it's not important to be in ketosis all the time. It's not necessary. It can be done. Uh, But the ability to use ketones for energy is really, really healthy. So I'll get into that now. Why not? So what happens is when you're not eating most of the time, your body has stored glycogen in the liver. And as your blood sugar may drop a little bit, hormones push out that stored glycogen and it releases into your bloodstream as glucose. So you also have stored glycogen in your muscles, but the glycogen that is stored in the muscles cannot be released back into the bloodstream. It can only be used in that environment where it is living, where it is stored. So the hormones can push glucose into the bloodstream from the liver. This happens during stress as well, which is why when you are very stressed or you exercise a lot, your blood sugars can actually rise despite not having eaten anything. And this can obviously cause a problem because that is stress. Stress causes higher blood sugars, higher blood pressures, lower oxygens getting into the cell levels, and all those other on-flowing factors of uh, mitochondrial uh, poor health. So back to ketosis and burning fat. It does take a while to get adapted. This is something that for hundreds of thousands of years, we were doing naturally. 
when we weren't eating carbohydrates out of a supermarket or off a tree of an orchard, off genetically modified plants, off uh, modified environments and all of that thing where it's all available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, we have access to carbohydrates. This is a fairly recent change in our environment and one that has caused us to no longer need to be adapted to using ketones. Now, when you're born, you are in ketosis. You can use ketones for energy. Babies are very good at burning fat. However, I would totally theorize now that that is becoming less and less um, and the babies are less and less adapted to using ketones because they inherit problems and uh, the environments and the genes from their parents from their mother. So being adapted to using ketones is something that in the modern day and age, this is why it's become a big thing. Like, oh, we need to eat a ketosis diet to be adapted to using ketones. Even a hundred years ago, that would not have been a question. It just, we would have been in ketosis. It wasn't something that we had to work hard to do. We didn't have to work hard to avoid this constant availability of carbohydrates. So now that we have to actually try to readapt ourselves into ketosis after living, most of us, probably decades and decades, not having used ketones since we were born, it can be a bit of a process. And one of the questions that I got through Instagram was, how long does it take to get into ketosis? Well, you can get into ketosis within a few days of a very low carbohydrate diet. Uh, however, the ability to adapt to ketosis is similar to adapting to fat burning or adapting to using lactic acid as a fuel and tolerating lactic acid, such as people who would do races around that sort of a few minutes mark where like track cyclists and rowers and paddlers and those sort of events which are really focused on tolerating lactic acid that takes time to adapt to using that energy pathway just like it takes time to adapt to using ketones you can produce ketones but to build the pathways and the surrounding environments and the different pathways of chemicals being reused repurposed recycled so that you're optimally using the ketones that you are producing, that does take time. And it's a different times for everybody. It's, it's almost an ongoing thing. It's almost something that you're always going to get slightly better at unless you've been doing it for years and you've been doing it incredibly strictly for many years. However, what is optimal? What is the optimal amount? And that was definitely, that was another one of the questions that I got through Instagram is, how often should you cycle in and out of ketosis? And there is no right answer to this. The right amount to cycle in and out of ketosis is the natural amount. When do you feel like you want to have a really big meal? And maybe that is after exercise or maybe it is after a fast when you're really carbohydrate sensitive or we could say you're very insulin sensitive so that, oh, I should say carbohydrate tolerant and insulin sensitive. So that means when your blood sugar goes up, 
you react very quickly and efficiently to that getting back out of your bloodstream and your blood sugars return to normal quite quickly. So that's a great response. It's an anabolic response to increase insulin and put those growth hormones back into the body. So it's not something that you want to always avoid. And I do think that that's where people run into trouble and suddenly they're saying, oh, I couldn't do the low carb diet because I just didn't have the energy. Well, there are so many variables to that, such as how much were you eating? Were some of those meals big enough to push a really good anabolic response for those that are exercising quite a bit? How nutrient dense was your diet considering the amount of exercise that you were doing? And it's no surprise that in all the people that I follow on, on social medias and, and very smart professors and citizen scientists and, and that like, that the ones that aren't athletic prefer a high fat diet. They say, oh, I feel so much better and I'm just, my energy's clearer and I'm more stable if I have a high fat diet. Whereas those that are athletic tend to prefer the high protein approach. And there's no surprise there. If you just consider what, what are those two people achieving? One is achieving just very little inflammation in all ways. They're never stressing their body. They're never really growing muscles. They're never, they're not doing the anywhere near the amount of cell rebuilding when they're more sedentary and they just want to keep inflammation low all the time. And so a high fat diet will keep inflammation lower. However, if you are wanting to repair and rebuild and you are exercising, which is using up nutrients more in the production of energy, you use vitamins and minerals more than if you're just sitting around doing nothing, as well as in the repairing and rebuilding. So you need more vitamins and minerals to maintain a good energy response. And then, of course, every now and then you do want that nice anabolic response to really push the hormones up and say, yes, I've got this ability to rebuild. My hormones are telling me, let's rebuild, let's repair, and all of those sort of uh, circumstances that an athlete has that a sedentary person doesn't. So which is why you always have to take everything into context. Is that person that I'm reading that says they're doing this and feeling better, are they the same as me? And what can I take from what they're saying and put it into context of what I'm saying? So it's very difficult. And uh, so let's go back to now the ketosis diet in modern times. And I'm just going to tell my little story of ketosis, which is probably about four years ago. And I did learn that low carb was a good thing for inflammation and might help my energy levels that I was struggling with inflammation and fatigue. And in that time, there was a few podcasts in particular that I was listening to, just one or two that were really saying, do not touch protein. It will kick you out of ketosis. Protein will increase your blood sugars. Gluconeogenesis, which is the creation of blood sugars from other substrates besides glucose, will occur. And so eating anything other than fat is going to risk putting you out of ketosis. Well, that is completely wrong and certainly put me on a path of total confusion for quite a while until I then went, right, oh, I can actually drop the fiber. I can actually increase the protein and I'm actually feeling better for that. So that was one of the big misunderstandings and that is different for everybody though. 
like I said, if you're exercising, your ability to be more sensitive to any spike in blood sugars increases. But it also changes your demand on the nutrients that you will need and, and so on and so forth and how much you're stressing your hormones and et cetera, et cetera. But if you are focused on pure dropping inflammation, which is where ketosis began decades and decades ago, I think in the 1950s or even earlier perhaps, when they first looked into the benefits of being in ketosis, for people with epilepsy, I believe it was. And they found huge benefits way back then. And yet then it went under the covers for decades and decades because people started to realize, the drug companies started to realize we can make money from drugs. Why would we tell them that there's a lifestyle change that they could do to improve their conditions? And that pretty much goes to every condition right now. Every chronic disease is a result of lifestyle and there are drugs to fix it. And there are drugs to make money off that problem instead of addressing the lifestyle issues that cause it in the first place and can heal it if it's already occurring. So around that time, back to my current, the current uh, ketosis evolution in my, my personal experience has then been much more around it's the keto diet. And everybody's thinking it's the keto diet. Well, the pressure around a keto diet and what it is and are you eating 10 grams of carbohydrates or are you eating 100 grams of carbohydrates can be very confusing as well. People start to measure their food. They start to worry about are they eating too much or too little to be in ketosis? Well, the beauty is it doesn't really matter. If you need that, if you want that at that time, then great. But if you're if you're adapted to burning fats and using ketones in between your meals, if you fast for a bit of a longer period, when you fast at night, when you're sleeping, as everybody does, you will then wake up and you will have been using ketones for your brain energy. So that reduces the stress on your hormones to push that sugar from your liver out into your bloodstream to keep you alert and awake. So there's less inflammation. Even without eating, you can get that higher blood sugar if you're not adapted to using ketones. So there are so many benefits to just taking the strain off the body, trying to balance blood sugars all the time. So I could go exercising now and my blood sugar can just drop and it can drop off after a meal perhaps. Like so one time I did fast a lot. I did some exercise in the afternoon, fasted most of the day, and then ate a huge meal. But mostly it was mostly sort of protein and fats, but I certainly had some sugars in there as well. Uh, we were out and I was eating the desserts. And then afterwards, when I came home and tested my blood sugar, my blood sugar was like really quite low. It was below four, which in a hospital, they'd probably freak out and say, oh my God, we need to put sugar in you. Quickly eat this, eat this, and be worried about it. I felt absolutely fine and had no inkling that my blood sugars were low. And that is the beauty of being ketosis. A funny story to, uh, to, to show this point is, again, my own personal experience with bonking was one year at the end of Roth, Challenge Roth, Challenge Roth, one of the biggest triathlons in Europe. And I can't remember which year it was, but I got second or third. Um, and... Chris McCormack had won it. And then that year we had these big sort of Recaro racing driver style seats at the finish line in the middle of this oval 
with a bit of a stadium around. And I was fine. I'd pushed myself really hard. You know, I was battling for second or third. And when we got to this finish, cross the finish line, I sat down and then about five minutes later, I'm just slumped into this chair. Like I looked dead in this chair. And then eventually I think I almost made my way to the ground and was so completely flat and had no energy that a couple of people got under each arm, took me over to the medical tent and I had a chocolate milk and a couple of cookies and a five minutes later I was fine. So my point is here, the really interesting thing is that I was fat adapted. My endurance ability was really good. I was incredibly fit. I was, you know, very aerobically uh, adapted, huge aerobic base. This was an Ironman event. I think, you know, went just over eight hours. Um, and yet, however, I was not adapted to using ketones. So once my blood sugar stopped and my hormones kind of went, oh my God, we've made it to the finish. We can relax, which is, as you see, you see people cross the finish line and suddenly, bam, they cramp, bam, they get low blood sugar. This stuff happens after their body just takes the foot off the gas and lets the hormones back off and lets everything just shut down. They can't sustain their energy, the ability to produce energy any longer. So really interesting that I wasn't adapted to ketones. And also within five minutes of just having some chocolate milk and a cookie, I felt fine. But now my point is that does not happen. That could not happen to me because my body is adapted to ketones and I can produce ketones all the time. Very, very, very small levels of it. And that's the other tricky thing about ketones I'd like to talk about. As people say, what level should my ketones be at? Well, if you're at point one, that's fine. See, what happened is, as I said about four years ago, there was also studies and very smart people saying, you're not in ketosis till you have 0.5 millimole of ketones in your blood. So basically that means that your ketone levels in your blood are higher than 0.1, which is what I was always sitting at, 0.1, 0.2. And it drove me crazy trying to get my ketone levels up, not realizing that the reason that my ketone levels weren't up is because I'd already adapted to using the ketones. So instead of them building up in my blood, they were actually being used. So that's where it confuses a lot of people thinking, oh, the higher the ketone levels, the better. And if you ate a very, very high fat diet and that produced a lot of fat being burnt at that point in time, you can bump up your ketones a little bit, but it's like having extra blood sugar in your body. Like there's extra energy, but it doesn't, sorry, there's extra fuel, but it doesn't create extra energy. Energy is perception and on demand. You only create more energy when you want to. So having extra fuel available doesn't change that day-to-day, that minute-to-minute ability to feel more energetic. I'm sure you all can understand that if those that are craving sugars and feeling fatigued, those that struggle with a bit of fatigue, when they are feeling like their brain is foggy and not working, and I've had this for sure, uh, and you go and you have something that is sugary because that's what your brain just wants, You may get a dopamine hit. You may feel a little bit better, but it doesn't actually feel, make you feel as if you have more energy. 
because you don't have more energy. You have more fuel, but energy only exists on demand. So if they're that in that person who has fatigue, when I've had fatigue, it's an inability to produce energy. There's a blockage there. There's a uh, low oxygen getting through to the cells. There's some issues there that you know I've covered in other podcasts and will continue to cover in future podcasts. But this one, about ketosis. So having more ketones, so having higher consuming exogenous ketones, as in from a, a tub, having ketone salts, could help during exercise. It can, as in any any is instance where you are using your brain, you're demanding more of your brain or your muscles. That is when a little bit of extra fuel may actually help. And it's not something you're suddenly going to go, oh my God, I suddenly feel more energetic. It's much more of a, I'm just doing this to help the chance that I'm using up this fuel and I'm just going to keep it topped up without overdoing it. And perception is so much about energy. So that's where if you're taking something and you believe it's good for you, it's very, very difficult. It is impossible to do a, you know, a, a controlled study of whether you actually performed better because of what you took. It's really difficult because the placebo effect is so big because the placebo effect is what will demand more energy from you. It will have that central governor ability to relax your body because you feel safer, you feel happier, and therefore you can produce energy more efficiently. So again, other podcasts, really long story about perception of energy. So back to what what's the diet mean? What is the difference between a keto diet and being in ketosis? As I just said, I was incredibly fat adapted, but I had no ability to burn, to, to use those ketones for energy. Otherwise, I never would have had that feeling of bonking after the finish line. My ketones should have been high at that level if I was adapted to producing them and then also adapted to using them. My blood sugars dropped really low. It wouldn't have mattered. So that's the difference between a keto diet and being in ketosis. A keto diet is just a low-carb diet most of the time. But some people who have a, a, a low-carb diet may still be doing other things or just hormonally having stress and other things in their life, which are still producing stable levels of blood sugar and producing plenty of blood sugars all the time. That means that their body is never actually lower in blood sugar and their body doesn't really get that kick of, hey, we need to use this byproduct of fat burning. We need to start making it and then we need to learn how to use it. So a lot of people, I think, that are doing the keto diet are not actually in ketosis. If they're still living a stressful life, if you're still doing high-intensity interval training, like as in not just like short bursts of 10 seconds with two or three minutes rest, which is shown to be incredibly beneficial, but it's more the extended periods of high intensity training. So those classes which go for sort of 45 minutes and it's all at your heart rate really high, that is going to cause blood sugars to increase, hormones to happen that are going to last well beyond the end of that session. And so A, you're not training your body to be fat adapted during those high intensity interval sessions because you're more anaerobic, lower oxygen, 
and you're not going to use fat when you're in a lower oxygen energy production state, an anaerobic state. So you're not training your body to burn fat. You're not producing ketones during the exercise. You're actually detraining your body from using oxygen and fat. So therefore, you're not going to suddenly go, oh, well, I'm just going to eat low carb the rest of the time and hopefully I'll adapt to burning fat. It won't happen because that high intensity training has a much larger overriding effect on the adaptation that you are causing in your cells than the other 23 hours of the day. Because your hormones are still going to last. The way that your body's using fuel, the stress that you produce in that high intensity session will last the rest of the day. And when you've got that stress in the body, you will therefore have less ability to use oxygen and burn fat because of that existing stress around the cells. Ketosis is a normal state of human metabolism. And that's what I really want you to take away from this. It is a normal state of human metabolism that only until recently are we having to actually try to get back into and to adapt to using ketones. Using ketones or energy in your brain and nervous system is much, it's, there's no inflammation from it as opposed to your body trying to keep blood sugars up and always using sugars for energy in the brain, that is more inflammatory. Using sugars for any pathway for energy is more inflammatory and produces more stress than using ketones. Okay, now I'm just going to finish with those questions that had come in through Instagram. So do follow me over on Instagram, Pete J. Jacobs, and next time I'll uh, ask a question about what you want to get answered on this podcast, you'll be able to see it. You'll be able to respond and give me your questions. So I've got a good question here. Do high blood ketones after a fasted low to no carb ride suggest you're oxidizing fat well as you're producing ketones or that you're not producing or that you're not using fat well as the ketones are still in your blood and not being used as fuel? So basically, that's a little bit about what I was talking about earlier. If the ketones are high in your blood, are you using them or not? Well, during exercise, you are burning more fat. And so ketones will increase if you're keto adapted to produce ketones. So if you're adapted to produce ketones, then the ketones will increase in your blood and you will be using them. However, if you are exercising for a long time, having a higher ketone level at the end of that exercise, I don't think is a sign that you're not using the ketones. I think it's just a sign that you are producing more in case of you needing them. So I think if you're producing a higher level during exercise, then you are well adapted to producing ketones and you're well adapted to using them. But over time, you may continue to get better and better adapted at using them but I would not use a number in your blood of what's happening uh, to, to suggest what is happening. During exercise, it is just going to produce more and potentially more than you can use. But I would not take that as that you are not using them. But it's a great thing that your ketone levels go up. Your body is then, hey, ketones are up. My blood sugar is a bit lower. It's a great state to be in. And if you can then go and have a really low carb meal afterwards and keep that state going. You know, your recovery is going to be great. 
You're going to feel great. You're going to be able to back up for another session. Um, and obviously, like I said, though, there are times, however, when you do want to go, hang on today, I do want this anabolic response and I'm going to eat tons of everything and not worry about what carbs I have. I'll just have what I feel like having. Next question is how long does it take to achieve nutritional ketosis? And I've covered that a little bit, that it's a different for everybody. It depends on how hard you go into fasting or low carb. Uh, it depends on other factors of stress in your life. Um, it depends also on your breathing. If you're always shallow breathing, so really try to focus on nose breathing, slowing your breathing down so that you are more aerobic in your cells. Short, shallow breathing will be more high, like hyperventilation, which induces a low oxygen state in the cells, which means you're not going to burn fat as efficiently. Um, so I hope that answered that question. And second part was achieving nutritional ketosis versus faster training for fat adaptation benefits, which is better. Well, I'm not sure I completely understand the question fully because to me, they sound quite similar. Achieving nutritional ketosis versus faster training um, for fat adaptation benefits, I would say that they're the same thing. However, you may be suggesting the fat in the morning as in terms of are you better off to have some fat like MCT oil is a famous keto diet uh, oil, which is high in medium chain triglycerides, hence the name MCT oil, which can help boost uh, ketones, ketone production. Um, you could also be taking an exogenous ketone, such as a um, keto salts or even a beta-hydroxybutyrate liquid, um, as I've tested both in the past. Uh, or are you better off just to have nothing? Um, uh, there's other options as well, like people, let's say, having just eggs in the morning or having butter in their coffee and those sort of other fat-boosting breakfasts that you may have before training. Or are you better off to go faster? I think if you are going for the aerobic fat adaptations, you're better to go training relatively fasted. If you really need something, then have it. But interestingly, just this morning, I was reading up about coffee in particular. So I'm really, I'm going down this rabbit hole of if the end result of all health issues is that, uh, and all the things that are bad for us, so sugars, um, not getting enough sunlight, poor sleep, poor breathing habits, exercising too hard at too high intensity for too long. All of those bad things all induce a low state of oxygen in the cells in, in, in a few different ways, but that's the end result. So if we're looking at, okay, what do we want to do to be as healthy as we can? We want as much oxygen through to the cells as we can. And some foods, so I was reading this morning, this is my point, about coffee. And there are studies showing that coffee can actually reduce in some people the ability for your blood vessels to have good dilation. So vasodilation, which means the ability for your blood vessels to expand, to get more uh, blood, to get more oxygen in, to uh, tolerate a higher level of CO2, it's carbon dioxide. So the carbon dioxide that's made in your cells while exercising, while producing energy, while not even exercising, at all times while you're alive, the carbon dioxide is being produced as a byproduct of energy production. So that feeling of 
not being warmed up and trying to move is a feeling of that your blood vessels are not yet dilated enough to have a higher level of carbon dioxide tolerated and exchanged with oxygen. So before you warm up, your exchange rate of oxygen and carbon dioxide is quite low, so it feels quite difficult. The carbon dioxide feels uncomfortable and the lower rates of oxygen means that you aren't yet fat burning. As that vasodilation occurs, you get increased levels of carbon dioxide tolerance. So you're more comfortable having a higher level of carbon dioxide. And that higher level, therefore, means you exchange more oxygen in and out of the cell. So that is one reason why some people, and it, de- and it said this in the study, it definitely it was different for different people, um, that coffee actually lowered the rate of dilation of the blood vessels and stiffened arteries. So there are foods that you may have that may actually cause, you know, your blood to stiffen up. So it may be coffee, but let's say if it's MCT oil or the such, I mean, what is, what are you trying to achieve by having it? There's no vitamins, there's no minerals. It's potentially makes your gut a bit funny. Um, and I would be just having something if you really needed something, if you were really hungry, like if you actually woke up and your stomach was hungry, have something like really that has got good healthy fats and good vitamins and minerals in it. That is the point of any diet is to put in nutrient dense food that contains lots of vitamins, minerals, amino acids, and healthy fats. So stop looking at food. If you are listening to this keto podcast thing here, right, how do I get more fat? in my diet, I'm just going to pour in heaps of olive oil. Or if you're currently pouring olive oil over everything, well, consider the nutritional value of olive oil versus eggs. Eggs, hands down, would beat olive oil by a country mile. So stop thinking about how much fat you are having or if too much protein is going to throw you out of ketosis or any of those sorts of things and just live a lifestyle of natural real foods that are not processed and that automatically straight away, it means lower carb. And fruit these days is really genetically modified to be much sweeter, um, have much more sugars and it's available all year round, no matter the season, no matter the country that you're in. So can take that into account as well of are you having that in moderation also? The best is obviously berries, chucking a few berries into a few other meals um, that you enjoy as good treats, but you don't want your diet to be something that is just pretty much purely sugar with a few other things in it, which may or may not really matter. But what does matter is the vitamins and minerals, you know, not these flavonoids and polyphenols and all of that other stuff. That's not important to you feeling good. The thing that is important It's vitamins, minerals, amino acids, and healthy fats. So just go for those foods, which just happen to be meat, fish, and eggs. Um, So that can be any seafood. A lot of seafoods are really good, really high in all nutrients. Um, But also, all of these things are lower in carbohydrates. It's no surprise that the healthier the food is that you choose, the lower in carbohydrates it is naturally going to be. So use that as a bit of a... uh, God, this question, here we go. I'm type 2 diabetic and mostly low carb. 
I have a huge ride this year and want to do it in ketosis. What's your recommendation for fueling while riding distance? Uh, Follow-up question. Fueling on long rides, is it better to focus on protein? All right, so first off, disclaimer, you know, do do what your doctor says to do um, and just put a disclaimer out there. Uh, however, for fueling on long rides and staying ketosis, it's, it's pretty much if you're keto adapted, so if you're adapted to producing and using ketones, you are not going to have a problem staying in ketosis while exercising as long as you are exercising at an aerobic level. And that would be my main point to doing a really long ride or any training that you want to be able to back up day after day uh, or not fatigue throughout the length of that race or that event, if it's a long event, is moderate your exertion. Anytime that you spike your heart rate and your breathing becomes rapid and the oxygen in the cells lower, you are producing more stress in the cells and that stress is going to hang around and inhibit the efficient energy of production until you can clear it out which may be days for unhealthy people it might be weeks Um, if you get a really good night's sleep you should be right the next day but doing those high intensity efforts makes it really difficult Um, the reason let's say for example the Tour de France riders can back up day after day is because they have a huge aerobic base they're a ability to get oxygen in and out of the cells and a high tolerance for carbon dioxide, they are so incredibly fit that that allows them to do harder efforts for a longer period of time and experience less stress. And then the stress that they do experience, they are able to clear at night more easily. So the ability of your body to use oxygen and have a huge aerobic adaptation of your mitochondria makes a huge difference on what you can and can't tolerate. Okay, so back to the question. Um, I would suggest having um, whatever you enjoy. A big part of being comfortable and sustaining good energy and feeling good is, is to feel good, is to be happy. So have foods that you enjoy, have foods that you think are great for your fuel. So have something that is enjoyable. Um, there's nothing wrong with having some sugars while doing exercise, especially over really long periods, because you are always using some fat and some carbohydrates at the same time. So yes, you can do it without having any carbohydrates at all, but would you feel better having some, a little bit of sugars throughout that ride? Uh, that's a question that you would answer for yourself and test out. Um, and then just as well, go by feel on the day. Um, other foods... I don't know, if you like sort of macadamia nuts and natural chocolates um, or, you know, natural protein bars or, or just make something yourself or, you know, you could just take a pocket full of biltong or whatever it is, as you said, is, is protein good for long rides? Sure, it doesn't matter. It, it's whatever keeps you happy and feeling satisfied because you can do it on nothing, but you probably don't want to because adding a little bit of whether it be amino acids whether it be fats or whether it be vitamins and minerals is going to help. The, the main thing is always take your electrolytes. Um, always have a good, uh, as I've been suggesting on social medias and stuff, edge electrolytes here in uh, Australia have an amazing natural ocean trace mineral that has got potassium, sodium, 
and magnesium in it. I would suggest taking that on any long ride. I take it all day in my waters. Um, use the code PETE20 for 20% off. Um, they're based in Brizzy and it's an amazing natural product that also has like 70 trace minerals as well. So minerals for exercise, I would put at the top of my list for replenishing during a ride. Um, and second on that list would be, let's just say, I think it would just be something that kept me satisfied and happy. So it wouldn't really matter too much about what it is. Um, just go with foods that you tolerate really well, foods that make you really happy. Uh, and sugars, it doesn't matter. Like I say, a little bit, just don't overdo it. You know, if you stopped and you're out of fuel and you're out training or somewhere, you could get a Coke, but water it down, water it down over like a couple of bottles. And so you're, instead of getting like 10 teaspoons or I can't even think what's in Coke at once, you're just getting a little bit throughout the next couple of hours. And that's going to sustain you really well. Um, so yeah, lots of options. Have what you enjoy is the main thing. Um, and just keep those electrolytes up and even being type two diabetic while you're exercising, you don't require insulin to take sugars into the muscle. So it shouldn't spike your blood sugars. Your blood sugar should not remain higher or extended periods. And your insulin response should really be really minimal as well. So you shouldn't get any of those high blood sugar, high insulin responses that you may get when you're sedentary, having some sugars. It should be while exercising, there's a different pathway that opens up um, to get the sugars into the muscle and out of the bloodstream. So that's why sugars while exercising do have a really different response in the body to sugars when you are being sedentary or when you've just eaten more food. Um, you know, there's so many different times and places that the body reacts differently to different inputs. So hope that helped a little bit. Um, that's my ketosis talk. So remember, it's a natural state that you want your body to be able to do. You want it to be adapted to ketosis. You want it to use ketones during the night, in the morning when you're fasted. And you want to be able to use ketones when you're exercising so you don't bonk. You want to be able to use ketones uh, when you're not eating at work, um, when you go without food, when you're fasting, when you just want to eat a healthy fatty meal or pro high protein meal. And it's just a healthy way of living. So think about it. Don't just eat a keto diet. Actually get adapted to producing and using ketones through boosting aerobic exercise, fasting, and other factors around breathing also. Thanks for listening. Get your questions in uh, for the next one. Follow me on social media so you don't miss that next question. Cheers, guys. And if you've got questions that are specific to you, then please get in contact. I'd love to do a one-off consult with you or work together with you for months and really nail down all those behavioral changes, work with you to figure out those priorities of what is going on to inhibit that efficient energy production so that you feel like you've got great energy all the time. When you want it, you can demand it and it will be there and you're going to feel great all the time. So please get in contact and look forward to hearing from you.